In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by Clara Peller. Welcome in to episode 84 of the Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. I am Chase Captain Crunchy Thompson. Uh, There's no... Something's missing. Have we ever done a show, just the two of us? Just the two of us. Ugh. We can make it if we try. I just, just cringed a lot. Hey, bring that mic up to your mouth. That's bothering me. Your mic's way away from your your pea splitter thing. <laughs> Splatter catcher. Can, can you say pea splitter <laughs> in the introduction? <laughs> I just did. Hey, My, who's Claire? It's called a pop filter. Pop filter. That's yes. It. Thank you. Who's Clara Peller for? Uh, she is an Olympic uh, runner. No, she's not. You would know her by her catchphrase, where's the beef? Nice. All right. The Wendy's spokesperson. Yeah, that commercial, where's the beef, caught fire in 1984. I remember the year well. Do you? Yeah, that you was were the year of the Los 30. Angeles Olympics. I was not 30. <laughs> I wasn't even a teenager in 1984. Los Angeles Olympics, you could buy, I don't know if you remember the promotion from McDonald's, everything you bought from McDonald's. Uh, had a little tab on it that you could pull, and you could win prizes uh, related to the Olympics, which was I, awesome. I was six in 84, so. Were you really? Yeah. Okay. So well, I, I don't remember quite as well. I was the ripe old age of 12. All right. So quite a few things, actually, I was looking up for the intro, 1984. Were we going to explain where Nick is? Oh, Nick is under the weather. Yes, Pray for he's Nick. Not, he's, he wasn't able to make it today. He's, he's not feeling well. So, And we did not have time to rope in a pinch hitter other than plastic Chris Atwood and A trash John can the and Bernard. And it, why is a trash can on our table, by the way? I don't know. You know what? The listener of the show, Jeanette, may have been in here trying to clean up. Maybe so. Maybe so. She said she was going to clean up this pigsty after she came in here for the uh, Christmas special. <laughs> We don't keep this room as clean as we probably actually should. wish you would. Nice it is. Uh, nice it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Nick's not with us. It's just going to be you and I uh, tonight. That can, may not be great. <laughs> may not be because we're we're kind of tired, and you know, preparation wise this week, I would give it not. I would not say preparation A or B <laughs> or C. I would probably give it a preparation H, H. for our, <laughs> our our work this week. Yeah, corny jokes. We got them. All right, 1984 also was the uh, during CBS's broadcast of Super Bowl 18. Holy cow, that was a long time. Ago. Apple Computer herald, heralded the introduction of its Macintosh personal computer in 1984. Uh, Michael Jackson's hair caught fire filming a Pepsi commercial, and most importantly of all, Hulk Hogan defeated the Iron Sheik in Madison Square Garden. I remember that WrestleMania. Two? Uh, no, it was before WrestleMania. Oh, it was he before had, yeah, WrestleMania. Yeah, okay. 1984. Uh, WrestleMania came on in uh, 85 or 86, I think. I absolutely Five. despised the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. That was his name, right? Yep, Nikolai and Iron I Sheik. I yeah. hated them 
hated because, you know, they were Russian and Iranian. And though I, I was, you know, kind of young to be able to understand the nuance of, of WWE, that they likely probably weren't Russian and Iranian. And even if they were, that wasn't. Wait, did you just say Uranian? Yeah, Uranian. That's. <laughs> It's one of those countries over in the Middle East, right? Yeah, he was he was definitely Next Uranian, Quetar, <laughs> and Kuwait. Yeah, he was uh, he was. Uh, you know who will love uh, this kind of talk we're having we're having right now? I, I don't know. Ben Berkeley. Yes, uh, Burke from the uh, Hall of Dogma. He's a big wrestling fan. He is indeed. He's also a teacher. Hey, let me give you a couple other before we move past our 1984 discussion. I, I can't wait. Listen, I want you to hear some of the shows that made their debut in 1984. You ready? Bonanza. Uh, no. Um, Night Court. Highway to Heaven. Night Court. Night Court made its debut in 1984. Um, Blue Thunder. Blue and Thunder. And I remember Airwolf. that. The, the, uh, the helicopter. Helicopter. It's amazing that two helicopter related shows came out in the same year. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, maybe they got where they were actually back to back though, so I don't know cuz Blue Thunder came out both of them came out in January. Can you name off the top of your head Judge Harry Calhoun's favorite singer uh from Night Court? Mel Torme. Oh, that's Tomei. really impressive. Yeah. Mel Torme. I said Tomei, Torme. That's still that's close enough. I'm 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 impressed. I was a uh, Voltron, Defender of the Universe, made his debut in 1984. I would have given my left arm for a real Voltron <laughs> set. That would have been awesome, dude. They were diecast metal. I think they, it just looked incredible. But it's like a hundred dollars. The Transformers came uh, out that year, and that, that was a quote in the sermon today. Well, Megatron it, it must be stopped, no matter what the cost. All right, uh, your favorite show, The Cosby Show. I. Did like the Cosby show back then, but uh, I do not defend him today. Who's the Boss? Debuted 1984. These are some great shows. How about Punky Brewster? Debuted in 1984. Did you like that? I did like Punky Brewster. I did like Who's the Boss? Three's a Crown. Samantha Maselli. Yeah, she was pretty. I mean, you didn't say that with all the conviction. Three's a Crowd. That's not, uh, I was thinking Three's Company. Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote. All out in 1984. Uh, 1984 was a good TV An episode of Murder, She Wrote? Yeah. I I never have. Just back in the day. An old lady. My mom was solving mysteries. My mom used to watch it. Was was it good? When I was young. I don't remember. I never, I didn't like it. I did like, awful. I did like Miami Vice, which debuted in 1984. That was a very, um, a very sketchy show that I I was only rarely allowed to watch. Really? But I loved it. I had a little uh, white. Um, jacket that I wore to pretend to be one of the guys off Sunny Miami Vice, yeah. And uh, close it out. Uh, shout out to Nick's favorite show, My Little Pony. Debuted in 1984. <laughs> so, 1984 was a good TV year, in my opinion. What are we going to talk about tonight besides the year you turned 30? That is a great question, David. Pause. Edit point. <laughs> back what was your question david what are we talking about tonight chase that's a fantastic question i'm really really excited that you asked and and this is going to be a real treat for our listeners tonight because we have some topics that we have been working a long time long time and man these are really 
important stuff. Well, it's kind of a big night for us because Nick's not here, so we're actually going to get to say something. That's that's going to be, you know, <laughs> hashtag free Nick is really, really going to uh, probably trend on the internet all week yep. as people listen to this podcast. And you just heard my uh, unprofessional Mountain Dew can opening up. All right, so we, we got two questions from the Hall of Dogma to talk about, as well as David's special What Were You Thinking uh, segment, which is one of my favorite parts of the show. We're going to talk about... Uh, Tony Vance's question, how important is it to pastorally discern whether somebody is a Christian when you're dealing with them? Uh, probably Pastor Tony doesn't realize that here in 2016, there's an app for that. We're going to tell him about the <laughs> Christian or not app. And we're also going to deal with uh, our friend from across the pond, Chris Studdard's question, should we use gospel tracts? Tracks. Tracks. That's a hard word to pronounce. T-R-A-C-T-S. I thought we were talking about guns tonight. Well, that was off the show. We had a great discussion about guns. About 30 and minutes. John Piper's article. And uh, yeah, we, we wasted 30 minutes doing that. And we did it podcast style. So you missed out on that. Too oh, bad. Should have been here. Get to. Or on the Periscope. Pound me on the internet and falsely call me a pacifist. Because mm. I'm not one. I have a gun. I actually have more than one gun. But can you justify it with Scripture? I can. Okay, that's a good question, David. We'll have to deal with that sometime. But for tonight, uh, I think we have an even better, now I'm going to get more riveting to this. question. You would be happy with that. You know what? That would be about what something you would do. What's that? Turn the whole thing around on me and make me into a pacifist. That would be fun. That would be funny. I okay. would enjoy that. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, which one did we say we were going to do first? Uh, yours. Okay, the Christian one, right? Yep. <laughs> right. Talk about the Christian thing. Okay, should should people yep. be Christians or not? Oh, you know what we David? should do? What if someone's listening to us for the very first time? Well, <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. Without Nick here, which is kind of a what is a runaway a train, misguided train wreck. This well, is the Gospel Friends podcast. You can find us on thegospelfriends.com. Past episodes there. If you haven't listened yet to our Christmas special, you should really check it out. Uh, that five hours will be worth your time. Uh, that's how long the podcast was. Yeah. It, it really wasn't. It, it was a couple close. hours, but uh, you got to hear from a lot of people in the Hall of Dogma, uh, which is our Facebook group, and you can go and join that group. Uh, also through the internets, hallofdogma.com. Yeah, that and goes right to our Facebook group. It, it's an amazing sort of domain redirect. It's almost like magic. You should type it into your browser just to see the magic happen. You should do that. I, 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 I'm the one that created that magic. I handle all the tech behind the scenes. Yeah, and you do a really good job. Yep. What is Nick's role on the show? Uh, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, see, he he came in here and plugged up the recorder for us. Well, I mean, well, surely we know how to do that, right? Uh, I don't know. Actually, you did it wrong. Mr. First, you did it wrong the first time, and he told you to redo it. So, mm. all right. Anyway, so thanks for joining us, uh, and uh, check us out on uh, Facebook. Uh, I would talk about the Twitter, but um, it's a little bit of a, a barren wasteland. But I, look, right it was now. Christmas. You, you can't tweet that much during Christmas, you have things to do. At my gospel friends, tweet at us and tell Chase Thompson why he needs to make it back to the Twitter. Yes, at sir. my gospel friends. All right, anyway, let's carry on now. So what I'm are we talking about? Uh, so I'm slightly embarrassed that earlier uh, I switched the names of the posts in the Hall of Dogma. <laughs> We're actually going to talk about Chris Studdard's post on uh, how 
important it is for a pastor to be able to make an educated assumption of whether or not someone is a Christian. So, David, we'll go to you first, um, (laughs) and Nick will contribute later on. How important is it, pastorally speaking, to be able to discern fairly quickly, what one would assume, uh, whether or not the person you're dealing with is a Christian? Hmm. How important is it to discern if they're a Christian? Uh, that's a great question. Over to you, Chase. What, okay, do, you, what do you think? Well, what's, what's your thoughts on that? I kind of would like to hear where Nick's coming from uh, before that I give be my great. take. That's interesting. That is interesting. It's like that time we did the show where his mic didn't work. It would be hilarious. We had to put elevator music It'd in be, it. It would be uh, hilarious if we had... Uh, Elevator music there. Okay. All right. Uh, Chris says, how important is it for a pastor to be able to make an educated assumption of, of someone being a Christian or not? I ask from a desire to help people grow spiritually, not to bash people over their heads. Um, okay. So I don't, you know, for me, I haven't read the comments yet. My first thought is that's not something I necessarily think in the f- is critical for me to figure out in the first few moments um, but it is something I think ultimately I need to know because I, I think it, it greatly changes your approach to someone in counseling. Um, quite honestly, if you're sitting across from someone and talking about an issue and and they are a believer in Christ, then your approach to them is going to be far different than if you're sitting across from them talking about an issue and and they're not a believer at all. Uh, I, I take that from passages um, in the New Testament. You know, for you know, Paul talks about how really, as Christians, it's, it's kind of our responsibility to quote unquote judge those inside the church and and not those outside. So, um, if someone is, um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so for example, let's say that I'm sitting across from someone who is a Christian. And who they claim Christ, they say they are truly a believer, and they are living with someone who is not their wife, okay? or husband, or husband. Yeah, I'm sorry, as the case may be. As they're not, they're living with someone who is not their spouse. Yes. Okay. And and doing all the things that uh, people who live together do, uh, who are of the opposite sex. No such, offense. Such as? No offense to you who may have a uh, just a roommate or something that's, uh, you know, you're best friend. Uh, but uh, if... if yeah, no offense yeah. to you. If you're having sex, okay? <laughs> not currently. And, I'm, and I'm you're, not. <laughs> if you're having sex uh, and you're not married. Point. All right, so... Um, and, and you claim Christ, then the counsel there is stop. Stop. Collaborate. And, and listen, listen to what I'm about to say, which okay. is you need to stop having sex with this person who's not your spouse if you're, if you're claiming Christ. I like your rhymes there. Yeah, thanks. I'm not going to push that as hard with someone or even as at all with someone who just is not a Christian because if I were if I was to say to them, you should not be having sex with this individual who's not your spouse. They're going to say why? And I'm going to say, well, because that's what God has ordered. And why do they care about that if they don't have a relationship with God? So there's no point? benefit to non-Christians in following biblical truth. Non-Christians can't follow biblical truth in the uh, uh, completely or 
Not uh, completely, no. Without, um, without a relationship with Jesus. I mean, can you not say, though? I would say, you know what? Let me answer your question more. Uh, I'm processing it. Okay. No, ultimately there's not. Why? Interesting. If you don't know Jesus, you're, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. Correct. What difference does it make if you're having sex with someone who's not your spouse or not? Is, well, if you're just going to, oh, you're going to obey that rule for the sake of obeying the rule, and then still end up in hell. I think ultimately, uh, I think ultimately, you're absolutely right. I will say this: uh, Lemmy, uh, the lead singer of Motorhead, sometimes heard on this podcast when we play a game. Uh, he's the one that says it's time to play the game. Yeah. Um, he, uh, was not a believer in any way, shape or form that I know of. He drank one bottle of Jack Daniels a day for several decades. He said, uh, he claimed to have slept with uh, over 1200 women, um, did all kinds of drugs and things like that. Uh, if you were counseling with Lemmy, would it be of any lasting fruit to have told him, you know what, buddy, you need to stop drinking one bottle of Jack Daniels a day? Health-wise, yes. Right. But is that a biblical truth? And that's the thing. That's just a, probably a, that's just a truth of, hey, this is killing your body, so stop doing it. I don't know if that's a biblical truth. That's not, that's not my thought of. I think maybe the implication of what you're saying is your time would be better spent rather than teaching him to obey God's moral law, which he's ultimately incapable of doing, your time would be better spent gospeling Lemmy. Or whoever we're dealing with. Ultimately, that's where I was going with, the, with, which is someone who doesn't know Jesus, the counsel primarily has to be about, um, about coming to know Christ and the gospel and what Jesus has done. And then there's no, no amount of Christian counseling or counseling from biblical rules and morals at that point. Uh, to me, it is ultimately ultimately going to be beneficial because even if you could get them, if they do not know Jesus, even if you could get them to obey, quote unquote, a biblical truth, it would only be temporary that they would be able to do that. Ultimately, they're not going to sustain any type of obedience to God's word without uh, God's God's help. Ultimately, there's, they're going to fall away. Yes. So. Going back to the original question, I think it's rather important. Again, I don't know that I meet someone and, man, I really need to know in the, these first few minutes, are, are you really saved or not? Are you yep. really Christ? I, but getting to know someone, ultimately, if I'm going to counsel with someone in depth, I think that is an important question to to try to ascertain the answer to. Well, one of the ways to get to the answer to that question uh, I call this one of my pastoral tricks, is you ask the person, are you a Christian? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's good. and that's if they good. say yes, then, let me tell you where they are. Let me tell you where that works. Okay. Alabama. Uh, totally. In the Bible Belt, totally it works, works really well. And, and you know what? About I'm 98% amazed. Christian in that's this state. What, that's what I've seen. Yeah. It's, it's about 98, 99% Christian around here. Anybody you ask, uh, including um, people in jail and and people living with other people they're not supposed to be and, and murderers and such, they're all Christians. People right? robbing you with a gun. Which uh, yes, very... are you a Christian? Yeah. Yes. Well, why are you robbing me? Definitely oh. say that. I mean, yeah. No, I'm no. just kidding. That that is the thing. In your culture, 
your country, maybe you live in the uh, country of Alaska or the United Kingdom or something like that, your country, and I know Alaska is not a country, that's a joke, um, your country or your city might be very different. I suspect Providence, Rhode Island is very different from Birmingham, Alabama. Everybody around here claims to be a Christian. Not everybody around here is a Christian. Um, I say everybody, really, it's probably up uh, 90-ish percent uh, and, and that's falling, but uh, th- this is Emmanuel's comment, and I, I tend to agree with it. He says, honestly, I think it's important to discern whether the person you're ministering to is a Christian, but it's also impossible no- to know. So you have to go with fruit, the the inspection of fruit, the observation of fruit. And I think that's absolutely true, because ultimately, if you're ministering to a lost person, the main thing... Almost the only thing that you need to do focused on them is gospel that person. And I don't mean repeat the gospel over and over again um, until you become a broken record. I mean that every conversation you have, every interaction you have with that person needs to somehow, some way lead back to the gospel. Because ultimately, until they are gospeled, until they turn to Jesus and repent and are saved and have a new heart, I absolutely agree with you, Pastor David, that any other counsel you're giving is not going to have any permanent benefit, any long-term benefit. Now, I think some of Chris's question may be coming from a position that there are people who will say, both in the church and outside the church, that's not for you to judge. Actually, I heard someone quote that. Um, Someone was telling me about a family member that quoted that to them um, just recently. Um, Oh, that's not for you to judge whether or not they know Jesus. That's, you know, now ultimately we are not the judge of whether or not someone is a Christian or whether or not someone's going to heaven or hell. That, that ultimate judgment is not with us, but I do not think it is biblically. uh, I, I do not think the Bible points us biblically saying you should never make a judgment. I think we do make judgments on whether or not someone knows Christ or not. I agree with Emmanuel. You can't always know 100%. But I think you have to make judgments uh, about people and their actions, and I think the Bible actually leads us in many places to do that, making righteous judgments about people. Yeah, absolutely. You'll know them by their fruit is a scripture that comes to mind. Um so I think it's important pastorally to try to make that call and to minister in the context of that call. Um, the way you minister to a believer, uh, the way you deal with a believer is is completely, uh, almost completely different than the way you would interact with a non-believer. And look, I'm going to be a little snarky, but I think what I'm saying is true. I don't know how I would express it Um uh, to a lost person. I don't know that I would express it to the person, but the person that says to you, don't judge whether or not I'm a Christian, that's not for you to judge. Do you think I'm right or safe to say 90% of the time when you're dealing with a person like that, you're dealing with a lost person? Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that would be my thought because I think that's like the passage that it seems like everybody knows they may not even own a Bible yeah. or ever read a Bible or anything like that, but they just know that somewhere in the Bible it talks about you shouldn't judge others. But they have no concept of what 
all the Bible teaches or what it even means when it says, judge not, uh, lest you be judged. So, yeah, absolutely. I, that's usually like a warning sign for me. When I hear that, I'm like, okay, you you don't have an, a biblical understanding. That was what I thought this when when my friend was sharing that they had that family member that said, well, that's not for you to judge. That was my first thought is that's a really spiritually immature statement. At best. At, at best. It, yeah. it really is. Um, you know, Rich Rich Starnes. I, I was about to quote Rich Starnes. Uh, who's leading here? This was my time. Okay, well, you go ahead. I'll let you. No, I'm, no. no I'm going to allow you, it. I'm going to allow it. I would it. actually prefer to appear to be the most humble one. So when we edit this, I'm going to go ahead and edit out the part where I said that. So you go ahead. If you don't quote him, I'm going to start singing that song again. Eww. By the way, um, I don't. Oh, I'll just edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> okay, I don't think you're editing the podcast. You Rich Starnes said, "Pastors must be discerning as to the genuineness of the faith of those in their charge." Now that is an interesting uh, statement, and I find agreement with that. If you consider Hebrews points pastors and elders as those who are keeping watch over the souls of those yeah. in their charge, um, shepherding the flock that is among them. So if we had a determination that someone in the church um, was not a Christian, that certainly is someone that we should be praying for and trying to present the gospel to them when the opportunity arises. A pastor, to some degree, I think must in their role of equipping the saints and watching over the souls of those in their charge, whatever the fullness of that means, have to be making spiritual um, determinations determinations about people's lives. Now, ultimately not because we lord it over them or because it's our responsibility to get them to to do the right thing or to come to know Christ or that we have the power to do that. You said that this morning. We can't save you, so you don't come to a pastor to talk about salvation because that pastor can save you. Um, I'm not trying to give us more ground than the Bible gives us, but pastors will be held accountable for this role they have as an under-shepherd to the great shepherd Jesus. And so I think part of that role has to be praying over their people, and if they see areas of their spiritual walk that, you know, that are really weak or they're going in the wrong direction, I think they have that responsibility to go and, and pastor them. And so I think you have to make determinations like that to the best of your ability, understanding that in humility, you won't ever know for sure. Um, but I think you can have a pretty reasonable assumption. I actually think the Bible gives you a lot, especially if you read 1 John. Anyone who says he knows him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Uh, John said those things for a reason. John was giving you, you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have a lot of hints. You're going to be able to make a pretty strong assumption about someone's salvation. Yeah. So so let's talk a minute about judging. Uh, the, 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 verse I thought you were going to quote uh, that, that Rich brought up was uh, part of 1 Corinthians 5, or he alluded to, uh, and actually another passage that, that's a parallel sort of to 1 Corinthians 5, 
Um, for, this is what 1 Corinthians 5, 9 says. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. And here's the thing. Judging is not observing. That's correct. You you understand what I'm saying? If I see you drinking to the point of drunkenness day after day, and I say David is a, is a drunkard or an alcoholic or, or whatever, I'm not making a judgment. I'm making an observation. And Paul is completely fine. In fact, not only pastors are called to make observations. The, the church is called to make these observations. So essentially, it's a command. We don't talk about it a lot because it doesn't sound real good to the uh, 2016 American ear, but the church is commanded, the people of God are commanded not to associate with sexually immoral people that claim to be brothers. Now, here's where we're not Pharisees or we're not called to be Pharisees. We, are, we must associate with sexually immoral people. <laughs> I mean, not we must associate with sexually immoral people who do not claim to be Christians. Otherwise, we'd have to leave the world. We must associate with greedy people who claim to be Christians. We must gospel them. We, we have to be around them. We have to be among them. It's okay, but not those that claim to be Christians. So judging is not observing. Judging is more saying, uh, you did so-and-so in action, I know why you did it, because I know your heart. That's a judgment. You may not know a person's heart. You may not be able to divine their motives. Um, and, and then that passage concludes, Paul says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, expel the wicked person from among you. Not the most popular passage around, but nevertheless, the Word of God. All right, and then Hebrews 12 talks about, um, see that you do not refuse him who is uh, speaking. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. Uh, That's one of many passages, I think, in the New Testament that talks about uh, warning others or being warned, heeding others. Warnings. I don't think warning someone is judging either. Making a judgment about someone or making a determination about, and doing it from a heart that that from a heart of care of concern. Like if you're just not arrogant, yeah. If you're willing to point out someone is not a Christian because you want to, you know, really get them and really put them to shame and and be arrogant about it, as you said, then that's the wrong heart. But if you're wanting, if you're trying to make that determination because out of compassion and care and wanting to see them to come know the gospel. Absolutely. That's the right attitude. The same thing with warning people. Warning people, as you said this morning in a sermon, warning people that they don't know Jesus and without Jesus they're going to go to hell is not unloving and it's not judging. It is a warning. You used a used illustration this morning that if 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 this, you know, if the building's on fire and this there's two hallways to go down, and this hallway has already caught fire, and the other one has yet not. Uh, you pointing toward the one that will allow people to escape the fire is not, um, you know, that's not unloving. That's the right thing to do. 
So uh, warning people about the judgment to come and warning people that Jesus is the only way and warning people that sin will lead to death is not, that is not judging either. So um, that's a, that's a, probably a pet peeve of a lot of true Bible-believing Christians, and that is the way that the secular world really misuses the whole don't judge. Yeah. Um, only God can judge me. That's, that's a, a pretty popular phrase now, and, and one that I think, uh, like we said earlier, really shows a, a spiritual immaturity. All right, a lot of fun there. Um, we need to move on because we have families and stuff uh, to get and to. And stuff. And stuff. Uh, Chris Studdard, though, thank you for the uh, for the Hall of Dogma post. Real quick before we talk about gospel tracks, your favorite topic, Chase. Uh, have you seen the uh, hoverboarding priest who got suspended for uh, doing Christmas Eve mass on a hoverboard? I have heard of this. I have not seen the video. Okay. Have you seen? Do you, so you know what the hoverboards are. You're not that I, I out do. of touch, are you? I, I'm not. Okay. And I, I, with Kristen Brown, would say they don't actually hover. Hey, that, that's one of the things. That's one of the things that I wanted to talk about. I, I, uh, they're not hoverboards, and I feel they're not like even close. It's, it's a ripoff. Okay, if you've not seen these, they're 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 huge this year. I don't. They just kind of came out of nowhere. It seems like, and everybody is. Uh, everybody is has been trying to get their hands on them. They're pretty expensive, and they've even had a problem, by the way, with the batteries, and they've been catching people's houses on fire. And, and lots of people have fallen things on Things like that. So They're really just perpendicular-powered skateboards. They're not hoverboards. Okay, or I was going to say, kind of, is it kind of like a Segway without the handle Yeah, as well? Not even that cool, but yeah. Um, okay, so, you know, they're not... But they have two wheels, like you said. So, I mean, they're touching the ground. Yep. When I feel like they're trying to market these things as a quote-unquote hoverboard to get people to think about true hoverboards from Back to the Future. Yeah. And Look, if it was that's real not what that is. I, I'd get one. Well, I would, too, if I could afford it. And I'd preach from it. <laughs> no problem. Okay. Well, In fact, you'd have a hard time getting me off it. I have seen a couple of of, of priest or pastors or worship leaders that have used these. No difference in those things? Uh, nah, it's all the same. Okay. A Catholic priest in the Philippines has Which been. is the same as a Presbyterian pastor in Minnesota. Yeah, okay. Same, same so John Piper or what's a Filipino name? Uh, uh, um, Albert San Jose. That sounds Filipino to me. The only difference is Albert San Jose can um, carry a gun. Anyway, a Catholic priest... <laughs> In the Philippines, has been suspended after riding a hoverboard, which is not really a hoverboard, during Christmas Eve Mass. The Diocese of San Pablo, south of Manila, uh, said that the Reverend Albert San Jose has apologized for riding the hoverboard during Mass. Um, the video shows the priest in a white cassock. I said that right? Cossack? Cassock? C O S S A C K. We should wear cassocks. Yeah, we should wear cassocks. I used to actually wear a robe during baptisms. I think I talked about that last episode. Yeah, you episode. talked about that last yeah. episode. That's come, that robe has come up a lot. Yeah. All right, that the video shows the priest thing. gliding up and down the church aisle on the two-wheeled electric scooter while singing a Christmas song. Which All one? Right. It doesn't say. Have you, now, there's another video that got posted in the Hall of Dogma, hallofdogma.com, that shows some worship leaders using these hoverboards. 
Are you kidding? Yeah, no, it's it's true. They're they're I, they're I doing an that. interpretive type dance, like a, a, a drop. They're doing it like an interpretive dance, a worship dance, and they're on the hoverboards as they do it. All right, so Cossack, Cossack, Cossack. That's a actor, John Cossack. <laughs> yeah, that's really close, Dave. All right, so here's the thing. I want I want to say what what person thought it would be a good idea. You know what? I just got this hoverboard. Yeah. It would be awesome if I rode this during mass and preached and preached and sang from it. Yeah, but I also wonder what group of pastors would think that hey, right before this guy comes to preach the word of God, let's let's sneak in his replica championship wrestling belt and play Hulk Hogan's interest theme and introduce him like he's coming down for a wrestling match. <laughs> I will never forget the look on your face when John and I did that to you. Which is a true story that actually yep. happened in the Hall of Dogma. So I, I don't want to come down on this guy too hard. That's that's true. We um, have to be graceful. We have to because be Because we have definitely pulled a lot of stunts. I really, I really feel like this is just like these are people... I just got a I got a new toy and I want to show everybody and this will be really cool if I just kind of ride this around the church. Well, look, since it's merely a perpendicular powered skateboard, he should not have done that. If it was a legitimate hoverboard, I would have no issue whatsoever with it. Have you? And I think I can back that up from scripture. <laughs> have you seen all the people falling off these things? Have you seen the Mike Tyson video? I have not. Okay, Mike Tyson it. took a took a spill off the hoverboard. So Mike Tyson is not a young man. Is he okay? Yeah, I guess. All right. I don't know. Hey, all right. So, real quick, we didn't get hoverboards for Christmas, so no, we can't uh, we can't not. ride those during the uh, the the preaching. Although you you would be the one to do that. I sit down while I preach, and you do, man. You're like the laziest preacher I've ever seen. <laughs> you you are the opposite of me. You burn about um, two thousand calories during a typical sermon, well, roaming yeah. roaming the front with your Mountain Dew can. I do. Uh, in your microphone. Hey, hey, true story. Okay, so so speaking of the Mountain Dew can, and I do, I, I generally preach with a Mountain Dew can. Uh, for seminary class, uh, maybe the second year I was here, I had to do a sermon for for seminary, and it had to be recorded. And so I just I remember a, that. You remember that? Okay. Yeah, I remember you recording I, I think, it. I think our old friend Chris Riggins recorded it. So uh, I preached a sermon that videoed me. I got I got an A. The only thing I got knocked for was I got four or five points off for carrying that Mountain Dew count around. <laughs> and they, they were like, you know, no preacher should ever carry do a something like that. Yeah, it's conduct unbecoming yeah. or whatever. But you know what? I did not listen. That was a good class, but I'm still carrying nope. on Mountain Dew. You actually Dew have a rather distinguished-looking table that sits at the front of the church. Yes, it is a That if someone Mountain walked in, they would think, oh, well, that's where they put communion or something, but it's actually just where you put your Mountain Dew that's right. while you preach. That's right. So. It looks like a holy table. I'm probably profaning it, but I don't care. I'm an unrepentant profaner of that t- table. All right. Real quick, we didn't get the hoverboards. Nope. What coolest thing you got for Christmas... Ooh, that's or a favorite gift or whatever. Uh, okay, or just name something you got for Christmas, Chase. It doesn't okay, have to Star be Wars Jello molds. That's that's the one that, that kind of jumps to mind. Okay. I also got some some socks and uh, uh, you know those whiteboards. I got a little whiteboard on the refrigerator that I write reminder notes. On. 
Man, this was a banner year for you. It was pretty good. This was this is this was a good year. Now I did Jello molds. Yes. Star Wars. Do you make a lot of Jello at your house? That was for my daughter, and no, but I thought it was pretty cool. Okay, but well, uh, I, most, I did. All of the Star Wars people are just geeking out right probably now. Probably so. I did buy a bunch of computer parts to put together uh, a new desktop computer, but I, that was kind of a gift to myself. So your wife gave you that box that had the um, the Google, what was it, the Google camera? Yes, she did. So there was a box, and it shows a guy with glasses and in a one disposable of the, camera, a disposable ga- camera yeah. attached to uh, one of the frames, and you actually thought it might be a real. I thought it was, and I was a little worried, <laughs> but it was. I wish it was because I think it would be funny to wear at church. All right, you didn't ask me, but I'll tell you. I, I was going to do that next. I got um, I got the new Zondervan NIV Study Bible. That uh, wow, yeah. So that'll that'll make me a heretic to most of the Reformed people in the hall. I tell you what, if you stood up on that thing, you'd be about seven foot two, just about Shaq's size. I put it next to the ESV, and it it dwarfs, dwarfs. the ESV, yeah, it does. which is impressive. I, I got that for my wife for uh, her anniversary. Mine is genuine leather. What'd you get your wife? Uh, the, the step down from that. Um, uh, fake leather? No, it wasn't fake leather. It was uh, bonded leather. Oh, okay. So you didn't go for hardcover. No. no what am I, cheapskate? Now, this is actually a this is actually a, a, a misprint. They call them, um, there's a some second. imperfection uh, in it. Oh, okay. Although I have not found it. I don't think it, my wife asked if it's like, in, in the printing, yeah, I said, yeah, some of the Leviticus pages are yeah. actually in Luke. and uh, You no, probably it, can it, find it, an Armenian <laughs> verse or two in there. I'd probably be able to, I'd probably be able to get yeah. it that way. Uh, no, it's actually just something on the outside that's kind of imperfect, and they come back and just they print, it, print over it so you can't tell, but they can't sell it. As, probably a cessationist article or two <laughs> slipped in, and maybe some Catholic stuff. It, uh, probably. <laughs> Zing. Yeah, probably. Um, probably something about uh, Christians shitting on guns. That oh, might be in there too. Uh, and let's see, I got and then I Shots got uh, fired. I got some cologne or not? Uh, what kind of cologne? Dracar. I love Dracar. That's, that's did you well, get hey, You need to stay away. Noir. You need to stay away. Yeah. Well, I, I'm okay. I'm. I'm okay. not. I'm not struggling. <laughs> okay, Dracar Noir is my favorite cologne, yeah. but so. I I occasionally wear Dracar Noir. Do you? that's going to confuse. Well, I can tell you this. All if my ladies. wife's ever been around you, she likes the way you smell. That's what she keeps telling me. <laughs> All right, gospel tracks. <laughs> uh, gospel tracks. Back to the Hall of Dogma on Facebook. Um, we had a question that was posed by, um, and you notice how I'm kind of drawing my words out a little bit and talking slower. And the reason for that is because I don't really remember who. We've already gone over this. It was Tony. Oh, Tony. Yeah, Tony said it. Tony Vance from Chapmanville, West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia, Tony. See, I, I can't find it right now, so I'm just... Uh, it's the second post in the Hall of Dogma right now. I have because a... I, I, I when I get nervous and I realize that I need to be hurrying, I um, uh, I can't concentrate. Right, you look for it. Do. I'm going to tell a quick joke. I got it. Okay, so a Gospel tracks. Monk and, uh, <laughs> no, okay, I got go it. Go ahead. Gospel tracks. Tony Vance in the Hall of Dogma yeah. said, Gospel tracks, effective, not neutral, or something else. Uh, so he covered a lot there. All right, so Gospel tracks. These were, I don't really see I think Gospel. That's effective, comma, not, comma, neutral. You no, know, he was asking, are they effective? Yeah. Are they not effective? Yeah. Are they neutral? You kind of ran not in neutral. You took the comma out. Okay. Are they effective? Yeah. Are they not effective? Mm-hmm. Are they neutral mm-hmm. or are they something else? Okay, that's better. Okay. That's a good read. Tony was covering all of his bases. Yeah. They're very thorough in, in Chapmanville. West Virginia. Yeah. Okay. 
You know who hails from West Virginia? No, nah, that'd be Nick Saban. One of the greatest human beings of all time. <laughs> oh, by the way, yeah. um, shout out to Alabama for proceeding to the uh, national championship game. Also, shout out to my favorite team, Clemson. Yeah, I bet you're a big Clemson <laughs> fan. Have I you am. heard the Dabo Swinney story? No. In college at the University of Alabama, he was so his dad was an alcoholic. He was so poor, and this is a true story. The, the, they were Dabo so Sweeney, poor. Dabo by the way, is the coach of the Clemson, Clemson Tigers. Yes. Okay. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Dabo. Good, I, I think you pull him for him in this championship? No, game? no, no. I hope to kill him, but. Uh, yeah. So so for real, his dad was an alcoholic. He, he got a scholarship to Alabama, or he was a walk-on. I think he might have earned a scholarship at some point. But anyway, his mom lived. He he and his roommate had a you know had a room on campus, and his mom lived with him and, and another roommate. I heard about that because not enough money. And now he's about to uh, be the coach of the national champions in well, college I hope football. Not. By the time some of you are listening to this podcast, though, you'll know. Shout out to Rob Johnson and your football team who gravely disappointed me. I'm sorry. You know who we, else we should shout out? Although, Speaking Rob, of football, your team did what my team did, which was got beat by Alabama. So your team had a better year than my team did. It happens. War Eagle. Speaking of football and shout outs. Kristen. Kristen Brown. Mm. My who, wife's not going to be happy about this. No, I'm sorry, Allison. Um but Kristen Brown won the second annual? Yep, second annual. He's the All of second. Dogma championship. Yep. Kristen Brown and Allison McConnell, the two inaugural winners yep. who trivia uh, answer. They used to live next door to each other when growing up. That is interesting they were and true. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to Kristen. He wanted to know what he got. Did you read did you read my comment? I told him what uh, he won. Yeah. Jack Squat. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Generosity. No, I told him that he was going to get the same thing my wife got last year when she won, and that was a warm hug and a long kiss, and you would be delivering his prize the second week of January. The same as last year. Wow. <laughs> that was the why I wrote in the comments that this could be subject to misinterpretation. I just now got that. Did you? I, I was just wondering. now got that. I mean, good heavens. Wow, Okay. And you, you know what? I didn't, even, I didn't even realize that okay. how that joke could have been turned. That's how I took it immediately. <laughs> I wonder if anybody else took it that way. Uh, probably everybody that read it. <laughs> okay. Well, contrary to the fact that he does wear her favorite cologne, my wife and Chase did not hug after she won the championship last year. That you know of. Gospel tracks. Here we yeah, go. Let's Tony, talk about something Tony uh, wants to know whether or not you... Uh, think gospel tracks. So these are, I assume everybody is kind of familiar with them. The ones that I, I remember when I was a kid, they were about um, about yay big. I'm making this, this with my podcast. You know, podcast. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, for so. those listening at home, I would say it's about twice <laughs> it's the a, size of a driver's license is what that's David good, is that's doing. That's good. Okay. Stacked end in. And so you would, you know, um, just it usually had a little caption of someone who was kind of a jerk. Yeah. And, and, and they <laughs> he were. He was the center. He was the center. Yeah. He was kind of a jerk and he, he was doing wrong things. And somebody tried to tell him and he wouldn't listen. And then something horrific happens to yeah. him and he goes to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's pretty good. And then at the very end, it tells you you can avoid being this jerk if you will repeat this prayer. Yeah. Okay. So that's essentially a gospel track. Um, are they? <laughs> I'm actually going to take a different position than it sounds like I'm going to take. But yeah, I was gonna say. I'm going to go to you first, Chase. Do you think those are? Uh, and, and there may be other kinds of gospel tracks that are not 
that are maybe present the gospel look, better than that. Some of them those are, are the better. ones that yeah. I am familiar with. I despise uh, crappy gospel tracks <laughs> like that. I, I'm not a fan um, uh, of that, but I, I, I ever since I, I guess it was uh, the late '90s. I heard from Ray Comfort's ministry. Um, they posted uh, an MP3, which, which Nick, let's maybe put the George Street MP3 at the end of the show so people can listen to this. The, uh, uh, but, but it's about a man named Frank Jenner who spent his entire life handing out tracks. And uh, it's a testimony. Actually, I've heard about this. Oh, it's great. And yep. it's actually a, a very funny listen. So you guys should listen to the end of the show, hopefully, and find this. If not, we'll link it in the show notes. But uh, essentially... It's the deep impact that a, a, a guy who was a shopkeeper who handed out tracks all his life had on people coming to Jesus. And, and when I heard that, I began to respect tracks a little more. A well-done tract that really presents the gospel may not quite be as good as a person anointed with the gift of evangelism explaining the gospel, but uh, I think it may actually be a good thing. I'm I'm pro good tracks, anti bad tracks. How about that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that um, I think it for me, it's just a question of um, the track itself. The track itself. Now, at the end of the day, God can use anything to bring someone to salvation. Um, but I don't necessarily think think that means that we should just come up with crappy stuff because hey God can use it no matter, you know, no matter what. But I mean I think I think God could and probably did actually use some of the ones that I'm kind of poking fun at to help people come to know uh know Christ. But um the question of whether or not you know, are they effective? Would, should that be part of your ministry? Here, here's something I like about it. And I actually have a, a really good friend who um, he keeps some I, I, gospel tracks, gospel material, little booklets. He keeps them with him all the time. And what he does is if he engages someone in a conversation, meets someone, uh, and, and they just, you know, he's able to kind of get them into a little bit of a conversation or they're talking and it turns to religious matters or spiritual matters. You know, uh, maybe he offers to pray for someone. He will hand them. He'll hand them one of those books. Hand them one of those tracks, and um, they, you know, he's got some pretty good stories of of fruit that come from that. So, I actually kind of like the idea of having something with me to give to someone that I may get in a conversation with to say, hey, you might find this interesting. And, and you know, and then maybe have an email address on the back of it or something like that where somebody could follow up with you. Uh, I'd see nothing in the wrong, nothing in the world wrong with that and could possibly be a conversation starter. Again, if it's well done. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, some of the more, I, I think some of those that are just, uh, you know, the ones I was describing that just make people look like jerks and, hey, don't go to hell, say this prayer, and, yeah. and you could avoid hell. I mean, I don't, I don't even actually think that's the gospel. I don't, I don't think, think that's, that's the gospel either. That's, th- that's actually a false gospel. Probably does more harm than Yeah, it probably does more harm. A- absolutely. So um, I think it, a lot of that depends on the type of track. What you should do, David, is you should carry your Zondervan NIV study Bible <laughs> and should. give it to me. Just say, here, read this, and you'll understand more. Yeah, here. Um, wait, let me get this forklift and or, or wheelbarrow. I'll come in and put this into yeah. your put this into your 
in your car. Okay, a couple of people um, noted um, and used Tally uh, on in our think Facebook. You're to say group. her middle name. Uh, her Facebook says it. Does it really? Yeah, Ann Hughes Tally. Well, let's steal her. All right, she says any server that ever got a track instead of a tip thinks poorly of both the track and the giver. So I dislike them. Now her husband says, "Don't blame the track for someone being a cheap jerk." But um, I, I tend to agree with John there, and I absolutely agree with Ann. If you're a person who leaves a tract instead of a tip, please come visit the Hall of Dogma Church that we may spit upon you <laughs> for your creditiness. Okay, um, leave a tract and a tip. All right, a good tip. That would be the thing. So I yeah. mean, someone might harken back and say, "Well, you know." Was it uh, who was it? Was it John, Peter, and John? They came across the beggar and said, "Well, we don't have money to give you, yes. but what we do have, here it is." But that wouldn't apply in this situation because you had money to eat out. Exactly. So, do not dare go out to eat, not leave a tip, and, and somehow identify yourselves as a Christian. All right, how about this one, Brad Melton from Arkansas, Arkansas, Arkansas? He posted uh, about the the tracks that look like money. Yeah. So it actually looks like a $10 bill kind of folded up, and you can leave that either on a table or on the ground, and then someone picks it up, and they flip it over, and it, it says, Disappointed? You won't be if you will let Jesus Christ become the Lord of your life. Ask Jesus Christ into your life, and you can have peace and joy. Yeah, we call that anger evangelism. <laughs> uh, and I don't know why in the world somebody would think that's a good idea. I would love to know if someone has ever really come to Jesus by, you know, Oh, man. Oh, I want to get ten dollars. What does this say? Yeah, Pro- uh, probably um, you should put a real ten dollar bill in it, and then you know they won't be disappointed, and they can learn about Jesus. How about that? I, I think I-, I agree with you. Jay Trailer says they seem to be ineffective to me, but I guess it depends on who you're trying to reach. Probably no less effective than a Jesus saves billboard, but much like that, you'll probably never know the true level of their effectiveness. Uh, Emmanuel Jesus Marsh saves billboard. Yeah, Jesus saves. Yeah, that's probably a waste of money. Emmanuel Marsh, the general, says people have been saved through reading them, probably not the most efficient evangelism method, but it doesn't hurt. Uh, Thank you for... Unless it's a crummy track. (laughs) Unless it's a crummy one. Yeah, that's right. Um, Here, uh, Chris Atwood posted a picture of of a track on top of a a public toilet, uh, (laughs) toilet paper dispenser. Nice. And says, Armenian toilet evangelism. <laughs> wow. Uh, Chris says, when I used to do night shift stocking in grocery, someone used to go down the beer aisle and leave, <laughs> and either leave them on top or precariously inside random cases of beer. I'm pretty sure the same guy kept leaving the larger track invitations in the men's room. Uh, so this is, um, so that that's, we're going to take gospel tracks and put them in cases of beer, because if you're buying beer, you're a sinner. Oh, well, well Okay, obviously, uh, we've talked about drinking a lot before. I, I'm, I'm okay with that, uh, leaving it on gospel tracks, because at least you're going to get you know a few people that are lost. But I've seen gospel tracks on the top of urinals, and I'm always like, look, this is a difficult choice for a lost person. Do I want to touch this nasty, potentially <laughs> That's what you would be thinking about. <laughs> to learn about some good news? You would be thinking about that. Well, don't put it on top of a urinal. Pagan Chase Thompson <laughs> dies and goes to hell because he doesn't want to get poop germs on his hand from a gospel track. Wait a minute. You don't poop in a urinal, do you? Uh, did I say urinal? <laughs> I said urinal. Oh, well, okay. I'm sorry. I meant, I meant regular toilet. No, oh, okay. you should never poop in a urinal. 
Amen. If you did poop at a urinal, you probably were one of those guys that were buying the cases of beer. <laughs> probably so. All right, one more. And you probably don't mind touching a track. <laughs> you probably if, not if think anything about that. it. Yeah. All right, one more. Kevin Sanders, who uh, Kevin is a former missionary to the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, he says, I used to use them a lot in the Philippines. They were helpful when sharing the gospel with a large group, and I wasn't sure if everyone could hear me well due to the noisy environment. It also gave the students something to look over once we were finished. Tracks are not well as well received here in the States, but they are simply one tool of many. So The uh, Philippines must be noisy. I guess that's why Paul wrote them that letter. <laughs> Instead of like sending them an audio or something, he did, which essentially, I guess, is kind of a large gospel track. I guess it is. <laughs> nice. Okay. Way to bring us back. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin, obviously, in so in some contexts, you know, hey, look, I would say this: if you've got a good gospel track, again, if you're handing out those, the cheesy ones that just give you a sentence at the end, to, or any to, to almost any of the Jack Chick. Tracks, okay, which I'm not a fan of. But if you've got a good gospel track, if you're handing those out, I would say at least you're trying to do something, and that's probably more effective than not doing anything, which is what Chase did last week. Did you give out any gospel tracks last week? None. I gave out a thousand. That's pretty good. You are holy. They were all to widows and orphans. I'm not surprised, based on your your extreme ministry to widows and orphans. Hey, liars don't still go to hell, do they? I. I don't know. That's a good question. We okay. ought to look that up. Okay. I bet so we I can, can actually find a good gospel tract where somebody <laughs> did a lie and ended up in hell, and that would tell us. That's awesome. Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I did not give out tracts last week to widows or orphans or anyone you else. didn't not give out tracts. I didn't. I did not. That's a double negative. It, <sighs> Nick will fix it in the edit. How come, how come of all the things we've read today, none of the responses we read were from like Lisa Yvonne or Megan Lindley. Oh, here we go. Who commented on all these things. You only read one, and that was from Anne, and you only read hers because you know her husband. I read them. I read I read Megan's. She said that um, she would use them when she was trying to witness someone and get gets cut off, and she would use the gospel tracks. Okay, that's good. Yeah. You could use it for like when uh, a grandma stole your parking place and you – Kind of ran over her to get it. You could be like, "Hey, here's a gospel tract," <laughs> while you convalesce in the hospital. Uh, yeah, Con- I could. convalesce I, I, is the word I was. It's not convalesce. No, that's not a real word. Yeah, I could use that. I yeah. would be glad to. I mean, I hope that grandma knows Jesus, and I really wish she would know Jesus and read His Word about how it's wrong to steal from other people, <laughs> so she would know not to steal people's parking spaces and and. And well, maybe, we could have peace and harmony when we go to Papados. Maybe you should read the word where it says, do not resist an evil person. Mm-hmm. If they come to steal your parking place, <laughs> give them your other parking place, too. Well, I had no parking spaces. Well, I had that one. Well, that did, you should have Ultimately, given Ultimately, I gave it to her. That's good. I didn't beat John her up Piper or anything. John Piper would be proud. John Piper would. I didn't have a gun that I pulled. Well, that's so appropriate. It, it, was all, it, was all, it was all fine. John Piper's been getting a hard time here lately, and I'm. I'm Once you read Lisa's comment, she posted. So, in mm, my opinion, tracks mm. are a bit cheesy these days, but I do remember when they were effective. Okay, there you go. Do you feel like we've met our quota of quoting women? I think that's better. Okay, I'm for ending the misogynistic days past of the gospel friends. Why can't we all be friends, males and females? I I agree. I think we should. And I think I just don't think we should, you know, quote people 
from a place of affirmative action. You're opposed to affirmative action? All right. So you ending idiot. ending the Gospel Friends episode today, we're going to do a little listener feedback, and we're going to get out of here for the night. We're actually going to go check on Nick, take him some chicken noodle soup. That sounds like a lie. Yeah, we're really not. We are going to go check on him, though. We're going to take a joyride in his car. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Speaking of lying, it was... Knock it was, over a few banks. It was kind of neat earlier tonight when he said, do either one of you know how to drive a stick shift? And you went, I do. I do know how to drive a oh, stick shift. Oh, you do not. When well, was the last we'll, time we'll you owned see. a stick shift? No, it's been a, it's been a while. <laughs> but I, I used to own... I've owned two stick shifts. This is a pretty nice car he has. And it's really not, it's really not that old for him to have to buy a new clutch. Yeah, that's probably true. This is going to be funny if next week's episode we're talking about, you know, wrecking Nick's car. All right. A uh, couple of um, shout-outs in the um, podcast this <laughs> One week. One of them better be a female. <laughs> Actually, can you look up um, some female that, that has has done something worthy of a shout-out? Because I'm not sure that any of them made my list. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the one on Twitter, the 108 Stitches podcast, which is a picture of a baseball. So uh, does a Baseball have 108 stitches? Yeah. Okay. So the 108 Stitches podcast said, um, answering the question of favorite faith-based podcast, said his was the Gospel Friends Apologetics 105, which is uh, Rob Johnson, and yeah. Tony Vance, uh, 1966, Tony Vance podcast, everything according to Tony Vance. That sounds good. Uh, so I don't know. Who does the 108 Stitches podcast? Do you know? Uh, Mark McGuire, I think. Okay. Mark's a big fan of our show. Pete Rose is also part of that. Oh, I do have a girl to shout out. Lucy Marskell. Hey, Lucy. Lucy was on our last uh, podcast. The um, one before that. Yeah, you're right. Two ago, our Christmas yeah. special uh, from over in the UK, just right down the road from Chris Studdard. Yep. And uh, she she informed us about Christmas pudding and what exactly what it was. And Which so on Twitter, cake looking on Twitter, she actually sent us a picture of... Christmas pudding, so that we would know what it looked like. And Nick made it the cover art for our Christmas special. So I thought that was really impressive. Shout out to Lucy. Thank you for um, being a contributor to the Gospel Friends. It was good to hear from a non-church member on the Twitter as well, who um, said the quote of the week was David saying, speaking of sneezing under your arm, why don't we talk about Rob Bell? I did not shout him out because he gave me a compliment. But thank you nevertheless. And also a shout out to our Good friend of the show and early listener, John Lorbacher. I remember. You remember old John? John. Yeah. Uh, shout out to John, uh, who was, uh, he, he was giving us uh, a little, uh, having a little fun with us about the uh, gluten-free discussion we had a few episodes back. I think John's well, in some type should. of business where they make, um, he uses wheat. He does uh, something. Is he a farmer? Is he a farmer? John, what do you do? He does something with wheat. This is... Um, anyway. I don't know. And wheat is not gluten-free. No, it is not. Wheat is full of gluten. He is a Christ follower, a husband, a father, <laughs> a guitarist, a barbecue aficionado, an effects nerd, and a bearded man. Thanks, John. He does, And he does something with wheat. Yep. In Pittsburgh, North Carolina. All right. And, and this one, this is... Where? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I do that thing I do where I stop listening to you and move on to the next thing. Okay. Well, this is an important shout-out because I actually promised uh, this individual I'd shout them out like two episodes ago, and Ooh. I didn't. So JC on Twitter, at Greenville Realtor. Uh, JC was very kind, contacted us on the Twitter, said he found us um, looking at uh, listening to another podcast, 
and said, "Hey guys, I love uh, the I what lo- other podcast." Well, he he mentioned Calvinist Batman. Okay, yeah. Um, but he said uh, that he's uh, new to the podcast, but that he'd started at the pilot and was binge listening ever since. So uh, those are those guys have my respect. They go back from the beginning and trying to work all the way through. No, no word on whether or not he actually made it or he stopped listening somewhere in the early. Could be dangerous. And he actually, I guess, won't hear the shout out until next year, <laughs> a year and a half from now, when All he right. catches up. Depending on if he's binge listening. Did you find a girl to talk about? Uh, back to you, David. <laughs> okay, one more. Chris Jones on this moving to Facebook. Uh, Chris Jones, who. Uh, uh, him and his wife welcomed a brand new baby boy, Barrett Christopher, uh, into the world right before the New Year. So that's a, a little bundle of tax deduction right Chris. there that uh, there you go, Chris was able to get in yeah, for 2015. Man. That's one of the things I love about the Hall of Dogma. Chris was just putting some prayer requests out yeah. there, asking for everybody in the hall to pray for him and his wife. And uh, it's really cool to see. We can um, pray for Ryan McLean and his family too. Speaking of prayer, well, I actually had stores. them next. So, oh, okay. Yeah. We'll so Ryan McLean, who's I think living up in uh, Big Ten country now. Yeah, uh, but he uh, used to live here close to the just Hall of Dogma road. Church, and uh, he just um, he actually gave us a uh, just kind of an update uh, on his son, a uh, little boy who uh, dealt with a bout of leukemia and um, actually found out about a year ago. Yeah. And uh, he just says, thank you, God, and thank you for all the brilliant people in Alabama. Um, he shouts out uh, a local church here where his son attended preschool and also his fellowship that he attended uh, just down the road from us. And then he said, and also to the HOD and the gospel friends whose insight and humor and the glory of God helped us get through this journey in the last year. Yeah, That is a, number one, just a really cool thing, a- encouragement for us, and uh, just knowing God uh, used something that we're doing to to kind of help somebody through a tough time is really cool but primarily praise god that his son's doing in remission better in remission so please pray for um uh for ryan and for ryan's son kellen yeah pray for them and and, uh ryan bit of trivia you and narco nick used to go to the same church fellowship Actually, yeah, that church fellowship is the church we stole Narco Nick from. That is stole. Well, I have only done one one bit of, what do you call it? Recruiting. Uh, recruiting, uh, sheep stealing. Yeah. I've only done that one time, and that was with Narco Nick, who I had been friends with for Narco years, Nick. and I felt like Nick was supposed to be here doing ministry with us. We did. We really did recruit him. And I we went had, and got him. You had a meeting or two with him. Yeah. You brought me in. We met with him at least twice at Waffle House. And yeah. This is kind of a long kind of period of time. And, yeah, uh, he, finally yeah we it got took a while. signature on National Signing it. Day, so yeah. uh, that was good. And we've had good. elevator music ever since. We have. We have. You know, it was a three-star at the time, but I, I'd have to stay, say over the last – Four years, probably one of those three stars that's grown into a five star. I've coached him up. Yeah, well, somebody has. I mean that that's what happens. You 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 find the three stars and you coach them up. Yeah, I've well, been able to do impressive. that. I, I do want to say that really, I only went and recruited him because he he wasn't supposed to be there, and I knew it. Yeah, it, totally. Nothing that's, that's nothing against that church coach, at all. It has nothing to do with a good that church. Coach can tell when somebody signed with the wrong school. I knew he was supposed to be here with us. Well, I think you're right. Although he's that's not here with call. us tonight. No, no, he's not. So it's a little, maybe maybe I should little get somebody else. Well, who are we going to recruit in 2016? I don't know. Have you done? Have you ever done any sheep stealing? 
uh, I call it recruiting. Okay. Sheep stealing is such a nasty word. <laughs> have you ever recruited? Or, or do you have anybody in mind to recruit? I'll tell you who I'm trying to get here. Who's that? Uh, Nathan. Nathan Martin. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, I've been trying to recruit Nathan to actually move from Ohio to Alabama and, and just be among us. Well, you know, they're, they're building. Oh, and Jeremiah. Uh, if, he, if he wants to come, sure. Jeremiah can come. They're building a and his uh, wife Emily twenty story concerned veterans of America building just right next door to our church. They are and looking for a director. And I understand it's an eight figure salary. Yeah, but I mean, he should really move here and then check on that job. Yeah, not not the other way around. Because if he moves here because of that, then it'd be career driven. Yeah, that would be idolatry. Yeah, and we don't want to do that. No, 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 no. no. Although it would be nice for him to have a job. So he could tithe and stuff when he got here. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> well, we better take this this discussion right. off podcast. Here we go. Anything else for today? I don't think so. Today, Nick, you tonight, got anything? Nick? Oh, hey, don't forget to play the uh, George Street thing at the Dude, end. Dude, he's not going to listen to this. Probably not. <laughs> he's not going to listen to anything that we say. He's going to check the front He's going uh, of the podcast. He's yeah. going to check the back of it. Probably so. <laughs> So there'd be that discussion where I emailed my wife the the coupon for the Amazon video and probably all sorts of other things. All we apologize in advance for all of the inappropriate things that find their way into the podcast tonight. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Episode eighty four of the Gospel Friends is a wrap. We Another would, Gospel uh, Friends is in the can. That's right. And oh, we, oh, I'm supposed to do we, the question. Yeah, we invite you to join us next week when you might hear Chase say, "That's not my line." That was lame, but that's what we're going to go with. (laughs) Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. This message is non-copyright. Duplication is encouraged. A number of years ago, in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in southern London, the Sunday morning service was closing and a stranger stood up at the back, raised his hand, he said, Excuse me, Pastor, can I share a little testimony? The pastor looked at his watch, he said, You've got three minutes. And this man proceeded, he said, I've just moved into this area. I used to live in another part of London. I came from Sydney in Australia. And just a few months back, I was visiting some relatives, and I was walking down George Street. You know where George Street is in Sydney? It runs from the business hub out to the rocks, the colonial area. And he said, a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway, put a pamphlet in my hand, and he said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I was astounded by those words. Nobody had ever told me that. I thanked him courteously, and all the way on British Airlines, back to Heathrow, this puzzled me. I called a friend who lived in this new area, where I'm living now, And thank God he was a Christian. He led me to Christ. And I'm a Christian and I want a fellowship here. And Baptists love testimonies like it. Everyone applauded and welcomed him into the fellowship. That Baptist pastor flew to Adelaide in Australia the next week. And ten days later, 
in the middle of a three-day series in a Baptist church in Adelaide, a woman came to him for counseling and he wanted to establish where she stood with Christ. And she said, I used to live in Sydney. And just a couple of months back, I was visiting friends in Sydney, doing some last-minute shopping down George Street, and a strange little white-haired man, elderly man, stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a pamphlet and said, Excuse me, ma'am, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? She said, I was disturbed by those words. When I got back to Adelaide, I knew this Baptist church was on the next block from me, and I sought out the pastor, and he led me to Christ. So, sir, I'm telling you that I am a Christian. Now, this London pastor was now very puzzled. Twice, within a fortnight, he'd heard the same testimony. He then flew to preach in the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Perth. And when his teaching series was over, the senior elder of that church took him out for a meal. And he said, mate, how'd you get saved? He said, I grew up in this church from the age of 15 through Boys Brigade. Never made a commitment to Jesus, just hopped on the bandwagon like everybody else. And because of my business ability, grew up to a place of influence. I was on a business outing in Sydney just three years ago. And an obnoxious, spiteful little man stepped out of a stop shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, cheap junk, and accosted me with a question. Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I tried to tell him I was a Baptist elder. He wouldn't listen to me. He said, I was seething with anger all the way home on Qantas to, to Perth. He said, I told my pastor, thinking he would sympathize with me, and my pastor agreed. He had been disturbed for years, knowing that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and he was right. And my pastor led me to Jesus just three years ago. Now, this London preacher flew back to the UK and was speaking at the Keswick Convention in the Lake District. And he threw in these three testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, four elderly pastors came up and said, we got saved between 25 and 35 years ago, respectively, through that little man on George Street giving us a tract and asking us that question. He then flew the following week to a similar Keswick Convention in the Caribbean, to missionaries. And he shared the testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, three missionaries came up and said, we got saved between 15 and 25 years ago, respectively, through that little man's testimony and asking us that same question on George Street in Sydney. Coming back to London, he stopped outside Atlanta, Georgia, to speak at a naval chaplain's convention. And when his three days of revving these naval chaplains up, over a thousand of them, in soul winning, the chaplain general took him out for a meal. And he said, how do you become a Christian? He said, well, it was miraculous. I was a rating on a United States battleship, and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing exercises in the South Pacific, and we docked in Sydney Harbour for replenishments. We hit King's Cross with a vengeance. I got blind drunk. I got on the wrong bus, got off in George Street, and... <laughs> As I got off the bus, I thought it was a ghost. This elderly, white-haired man jumped in front of me, pushed a pamphlet in my hand and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, you're going to heaven. He said, the fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked sober and ran back to the battleship, sought out the chaplain. The chaplain led me to Christ. And I soon began to prepare for the ministry under his guidance. And here I am in charge of over a thousand chaplains and we're bent on soul winning today. That London preacher... Six months later, flew to do a convention for 5,000 Indian missionaries in a remote corner of northeastern India. And at the end, the Indian missionary in charge, a humble little man, took him home to his humble little home for a simple meal. And he said, how did you, as a Hindu, come to Christ? He said, I was in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic mission. And I traveled the world. And I am so glad for the forgiveness of Christ and his blood covering my sin, because I'd be very embarrassed if people found out what I got into. 
He said, one bout of diplomatic service took me to Sydney. And I was doing some last-minute shopping laden with parcels of toys and clothing for my children, walking down George Street. And this courteous little white-haired man stepped out in front of me, offered me a pamphlet, and said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. I got back to my town, I sought out the Hindu priest, and he couldn't help me. But he gave me some advice. He said, just to satisfy your curious mind, nothing else, go and talk to the missionary in the mission house at the end of the road. And that was fatal advice. He said, because that day the missionary led me to Christ, I quit Hinduism immediately, and then began to study for the ministry. I left the diplomatic service, and here I am, by God's grace, in charge of all these missionaries, and we are winning hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Well, eight months later, that Crystal Palace Baptist pastor was ministering in Sydney, in Gymea, southern suburb of Sydney. And he said to the Baptist minister, do you know a little man, an elderly little man, who witnesses and hands out tracts on George Street? And he said, I do. His name is Mr. Genor, G-E-N-O-R. But I don't think he does it anymore. He's too frail and elderly. The man said, I want to meet him. Two nights later, they went around to this little apartment, knocked on the door, and this tiny, frail little man opened the door. He sat them down, made them some tea, and he was so frail he was slopping tea into the saucer as he shook. And as he sat with them, this London preacher told him all these accounts over the previous three years. This little man sat with tears running down his cheeks. He said, my story goes like this. He said, I was a rating on an Australian warship, and I lived a reprobate life, and in a crisis, I really hit the wall, and one of my colleagues, whom I gave literal hell, was there to help me. He led me to Jesus, and the change in my life was night to day in 24 hours. And I was so grateful to God. I promised God that I would share Jesus in a simple witness with at least 10 people a day. As God gave me strength. Sometimes I was ill, I couldn't do it, but I made up for it for other times. I wasn't paranoid about it, but I have done this for over 40 years. And in my retirement years, the best place was on George Street. There were hundreds of people. I got lots of rejections. But a lot of people courteously took the tracks. And he said, in 40 years of doing this, I've never heard of one single person coming to Jesus until today. Do you know, I would say that has to be commitment. That has to be just sheer gratitude and love for Jesus to do that. Not hearing of any results. Margarita did a little count. That's 146,100 people. That simple little non-charismatic Baptist man influenced somehow to Jesus. And I believe what God was showing that Baptist minister was the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of this iceberg. Goodness knows how many more had been arrested for Christ and were doing huge jobs out in the mission field. Mr. Genor died two weeks later. And can you imagine the reward he went home to in heaven? I doubt if his face would ever have appeared on Charisma magazine I doubt if there would ever have been a write-up with a photograph in Billy Graham's Decision magazine, as beautiful as those magazines are. Nobody except a little group of Baptists in southern Sydney knew about Mr. Genor. But I'll tell you, his name was famous in heaven. Heaven knew Mr. Genor. And you can imagine the welcome and the red carpet and the fanfare he went home to when he arrived in glory.